this weekend, I will have two sermons. Uh, sermon one, the first sermon for first and second service, and the second sermon for the third service. The reason why I'm having two sermons is because there are two sides to the coin. In Deuteronomy 4, it talks about obedience. The main thing is obedience and idolatry. So today, I'm going to talk from the perspective of the children of Israel. All right? And then, on the third service, I am going to talk about the perspective of God. All right? So if you want to listen to both, come back again on the third service. Okay? All right. So before we start, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for today. We know that your spirit is in this place. We know that you are in this place. Lord. So we ask, Lord, that you would breathe life to your word, Lord, that your word become alive, Lord, in us, Lord, that it will be rooted well and that we will be ruled by your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we'll be covering Deuteronomy chapter 4. You know, Deuteronomy chapter 4 is lengthy. And that is why I've decided to do two sermons, all right? It's lengthy. In fact, the whole Deuteronomy is lengthy. What Deuteronomy is, is actually a long farewell by Moses. You know, at the age of 120 years old, he knows he is not going over into the promised land, so he is doing his part right now in sharing to the next generation what has happened in the past, what he has seen God do, and also what God's commands are. You know, at the age of 20, he gives a super, 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 super long farewell. He can talk so much, right, at the age of 120 years old. So we still have a long runway for our senior pastors, right? So they still can go on some more, go on for a very long time. Now, now Moses was talking to the next generation, right? Why the next generation? Because everyone in the previous generation had died in the wilderness, so they need to be reminded of the things from God firsthand from Moses. You know, there are times when my dad, I'm sure all of you had this, your father, your mother would tell you, you know, uh, last time when I was younger, uh, you know, uh, I, I very good one, you know. You know, I very, you know, all the girls were like me. Man, uh. He was, man, you, I tell you what, I can finish all of his stories before he finished telling it. I say, yes, like, yes, like, you're, very, you're very good. You always go and get girls' numbers. Like. Then my father would tell me, you coward. Like, you, you don't know how to go and tackle girl one. Ah. I'm like, hey, my wife is one of the most beautiful women in the world. Hey. <laughs> so now I can tell that to my father. So there comes a time when a generation, a new generation needs to hear from the previous generation on what God has done in their generation. Why is that important? It gives the younger generation the knowledge of what God did in the previous generation, but hopefully it stirs up an expectation that God would do the same or greater in the current generation. So it creates an expectation where one would say, I want to experience and encounter God the same way the previous generation did, and maybe even more. Okay, cancel the maybe, and more, and more. I don't want second-hand experiences, but I want to see it, I want to hear it, I want to smell it, and I want to taste it for myself. So Moses is encouraging and growing this expectation of the next generation. So before we dive into the scripture, let's recap what has happened before Deuteronomy. The Israelites were brought out of slavery from Egypt. They were denied entry into the promised land because of their disobedience and lack of faith in God. So God sent them into the wilderness where they lived for 40 years. And 40 years later, the Israelites arrived at the plains of Moab, just across the Jordan River from Jericho. So after four decades of wandering, after four decades of wandering, a whole new generation has replaced the old. A generation that has what it takes and would do what is needed. A generation that has learned from the previous generation's mistake and would not be afraid to hear from God, obey His commands, and conquer the promised land. Now I call this a revival generation. Why I call this a revival generation is because they were different from the previous generation. Now, they're willing to listen to God. They're willing to obey God. Now, they're willing to have faith in God. 
They were ready to trust and obey God no matter how ridiculous it may be to take hold of the promised land. Right? They had to step into rushing water. They had to walk around a stronghold for seven days, seven times without making a sound. These are crazy things, but they are obedient. They are ready to listen. And to enter the promised land, to be victorious in battle after battle after battle because they fully rely on God. You know, they see the manifestation of God in their battles and living in the promises of God. Now, doesn't that sound like a revival generation? Don't we all want to be in this revival generation? Yes? Yes, right? All right. Okay, let's read this together. Let's have Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1 to 4 up. Come, can you, can you help me read while I, I drink? So I'm shouting a bit already. Okay, one, two, three. And now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulation that I am about to teach you. You'll continue, huh? Is giving you. Do not add or subtract from these commands I am giving you. Just obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you. You saw for yourself what the Lord did to you at Baal Peor. There the Lord your God, God destroyed everyone who had worshipped Baal, the God of Peor. But all of you who were faithful to the Lord your God are still alive today, every one of you. Look, I now teach you these decrees and regulation, just as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Obey them completely, and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all these decrees, they will exclaim, How wise and prudent are the people of this great nation! For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on Him. And what great nation has decrees and regulations as righteous and fair as this body of instructions that I am giving you today? Come on, verse 9. But watch out, be careful, never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai, where He told me, summon the people before me, and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while flames from the mountain shot into the sky. The mountain was shrouded in black clouds and deep darkness, and the Lord spoke to you from the heart of the fire. You heard the sound of His words, but didn't see His form. There was only a voice. He proclaimed His covenant, the Ten Commandments, which He commanded you to keep and which He wrote on two stone tablets. It was at the time the Lord commanded me to teach you His decrees and regulations so that you will obey them in the land you are about to occupy. May God bless the reading of His Word. In this passage, we learn what is needed to be a revival generation. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, And now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations. Listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, so you may enter and occupy the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors is giving you. So to be a revival generation, we need to listen to His decrees and regulation, His words, His commands, His commandments, and obey them. Essentially, that's what we need to do. So point number one, very fast. We need to be ruled by His word. Ruled by His word. So listen and obey, and then later on you see, do not add or subtract. You know, at this point of time, the new generation of Israelites would have not heard, would have heard, sorry, not seen stories of their parents, their uncles, their aunties being set free from slavery. 
they would have heard about numerous signs, wonders and miracles that God has shown to bring them out of Egypt. They would have also heard the parting of the Red Sea. They did not see it, they heard it. They are a generation that although did not witness these miracles of the Exodus from Egypt, but they were born into witnessing other signs and wonders, such as the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, manna from heaven, we sang, honey on the rock, right? Manna from heaven. God giving them victory over Sihon and Og, the Amorite kings. You know, as a generation that has heard all that God has done and have seen with their own eyes a measure of God's power and experienced God's supernatural protection and providence, they were ready and they were positioned to respond to God to respond to God's grace, His love, His protection. And how were they to respond? Obedience. Obedience. See, obedience is the response to God's grace as an expression of love for God. See, obedience did not make them God's people, but instead, Obedience was the evidence that they were God's people. See, their obedience to be ruled by the commands of the Lord was an expression of their love and gratitude for what God has done for them and the previous generation. You see, God saved them. He redeemed them, brought them out of Egypt, given them the commandments, given the commands to them. So he brought them out of Egypt, redeemed them. Then he gave the commandments. He showed his love, his mercy, his grace. Then he gave the commandments. So out of, this, out of the love that he has, out of our love, because he has saved us, redeemed us, out of the love, the mercy that he's shown for us, we obey the commandments because he first loves us. It's our obedience it is not our obedience that produces God's love to us, but it is God's love to us that produce, this produces obedience in us. So a revival generation has to be ruled by His Word, the words of the Bible and the words from God. Why? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What it's saying here is that everything we need to live our life and to live successfully is in the Word. So out of the love that we have for God, out of the gratitude that we have for God, now, we obey His commandments because we love Him. But not just that, because the commandments gives us the way to live going forward, moving forward, and it's enough for our everyday life. So, the first one is to be ruled by the Word. Listen and obey. Deuteronomy Chapter 4, verse 2, do not add or subtract from these commands I am giving you. Just obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you. So part of being ruled by His Word is to not add or subtract from these commands. Don't mess with God's words. In Hokkien, we call it, don't care liao. Don't care liao, okay? Sometimes we hear people saying, you know, I like this part of the, the scripture. It's very nice. I'll take it. You know, but that part, oh, I don't like it so much. I, I think I'll, I'll just drop it. Lah. You, know, you, you know the phrase, eat the fish, spit out the bones? It means to accept certain information, take it in, and then selectively disregard other information as invalid or inapplicable. Well, I've got news for you. You can't do that to the Word of God. You can't do that to the Word of God. You are called to take it all. Take it all. The good, the bad, not that I think there's anything bad, 
and everything else in between. Do you know what happens when you only take selected portions of the Scripture or when you add additional things into it? You know, what you have done is you've created God in your own image, what you think of God or how you would like God to be because you drop certain Scriptures, right? So what you've basically done is you created a false God You've broken the first commandment. You've broken the first commandment. No, and this reminds me of the warning in Revelation at the very end. We can see. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from the person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. It's serious, man. This is serious stuff. Don't add or subtract. Adding, test, test, oh. Adding or subtracting from God's word is essentially disobedience. It is idolatry. And it is an act of rebellion against God. To change God, God's word, we'll be failing to recognize that God's word is more than enough for us and is perfectly suited for our everyday need. Let's move on. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 3. You saw for yourself what the Lord did to you at Baal Peor. There, the Lord your God destroyed everyone who had worshipped Baal, the God of Peor. But all of you who were faithful to the Lord your God are still alive today, every one of you. You see what God is saying here? He is saying, here are my commands. Be directed by them, be ruled by them so you may live. Don't add or subtract from them. And then, if it's not enough, he gives an example of what happens when you do not obey or you subtract from the word or you're not ruled by the word, the incident of Baal Peor. So the incident of Baal Peor is where the Israelite men were led astray into sexual immorality and idolatry by Moabite women at Baal Peor. See, Baal Peor was the judgment of God upon the people of Israel because they were worshipping Baal of Peor. The word Baal simply means Lord, Master, Ruler. It is sometimes used in a human sense, but most of the time, biblically, it is used uh, as a deity. Okay, Basically, it means Lord or Master. Peor is a location, it's a mountain east of the Jordan River in Moab. So Baal of Peor means the Lord or the Master or the deity over Peor. All right? So what happened is that the Moabites had a problem. The Moabites, right? The children of Israel were headed to the promised land that God had promised them, and the Moabites see all of these people camp in their territory, in their plains, right? So the king of Moabites, the, of the Moabites, uh, King Balak, son of Zippor, look at the Israelites and probably say, now, this is an issue. I, I've got a problem here. So what he decided to do is he decided to call or to send for a magician, a witch doctor, or in our language we call a bomo, right? To curse the people curse the children of Israel. And the idea was that once they are cursed, they would fail in whatever they would do. And then when they fail, they're not successful, they won't take over the land, they are no longer a threat to, to the Moabites. See, he sent for Balaam, the son of Beor. This is the Bomo, right? A well-known Bomo in the region to curse the children of Israel. So Balaam comes and tries to curse them. But instead, he looks over them and he blesses the children of Israel. He tried it three times. And three times, he blessed them instead. He could not curse them. He could only bless them. So Balaam goes back to Balak and tells him, Boss, ah, cannot. Cannot, lah, boss. Not possible. Lah. Not possible to curse the, the people of God. Do you know that we, as children of God, is given that same protection today? Amen? Amen? Now then Balaam then continued to tell Balak, but uh, 
let me tell you, you could do something that will get God so mad at them that He will curse them instead. He will put a judgment upon them. Now, here's what you have to do. Take your young woman, the pretty woman of, of the Moabites. Take the prostitutes of your cult because the worship of, of Baal Peor at that point in time was interspersed with sexual uh, immorality and idolatry. Take them to the camp of the Israelites. Seduce them, entice them. Then bring out your idols and enact a worship service. What you have actually done is you've, that you've caused the children of Israel to commit idolatry. Now, when they commit idolatry, God himself will pronounce a judgment on them. So instead of staying true to the word of God, the Israelites were influenced and ruled by the surrounding culture, the, the Moabite culture, which led them to worship Baal instead of the one true God. So what did God do? God brought swift and terrible judgment upon all who abandoned his word. 24,000 Israelites died at the incident of Baal Peor. See, when we are ruled by God's word, we can be sure that we are on the path of life. The word of God leads to life, not death. Romans 8 verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So obey the word, obey the commandments and be ruled by it and you will live. Break the commandments and you will invite God's judgment upon yourself. Now let's move on. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 4. But all of you who were faithful to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, you will live, every one of you. You're alive today. And this is so true. And we are not just talking about the physical level, alive. You know, when you love God and when you love the Word of God, you become passionate about the things of God. You become alive. Alive. There's a certain kind of life that sets you apart from other people. There is a passion. There is a spark. There is a desire. You know, some people are cruising or on autopilot. But, when you love God and when you obey His word, you have a passion, an unction, a conviction, and you're alive this day. You know, I, I used to work in Singapore, you know, and every morning I would take the train to work. You know, and you know how everybody looks like in the train or even walking around the streets? They will have their phones out, earphone, and they just walk. Then when you bump into them, uh, they, they just continue. They're zombies. I used to be one of those zombies. I worked there and I was one of those bumping. But I now live with a passion, with a purpose, a clear purpose. And when we are alive, we shine. We radiate in the world. We are distinct from the characters of the world, which leads me to point number two. Radiate in the world. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Look, I now teach you these decrees and regulations just as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Obey them completely and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all these decrees, they will exclaim, how wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. See, display, you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. You'll be displayed. And they will say, wow, how wise and prudent are these people of the great nation. See, as a result of being ruled by the word, a revival generation or a revived people will live in a manner that shines in the world, that radiates in the world. Verse 6 says, the surrounding nations will be shown the wisdom and understanding of God through the children of Israel. 
You may ask, isn't this specifically related to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy? No. Paul uses the exact same language in Ephesians 3 to talk about the church of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3 verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, did you hear that? There are rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms that are paying attention to us. And what are they gleaming from us? They're gleaming a deeper understanding of the manifold wisdom of God. We display that wisdom through obeying the word of God. See, there is a distinctiveness about the Christian character in the world. The people of God are not like the world. Does this mean that we are to withdraw from the world? No. You are in the world, but not of the world. John 15, 19. Just as Jesus was in the world, but not of the world. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8. Let's continue. For the great nation was, the great nation has a God. For what great nation has a God near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on Him? And what great nation has decrees and regulation as righteous and fair as this body of instructions that I'm giving you today? See, God's people are not meant to be like other nations. They are called to look different, not by what we wear or everything, uh, by our character, okay? They are called to live in a way that provokes other nations to ask what is written in Deuteronomy 4 verse 7. What a great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on Him. You know, until today, I have colleagues from Singapore, they know I'm a Christian and they want to apply for another job. They will specifically text me, you know, and they message me, Aaron, could you pray for me? Like, why are they, they're not a Christian, why are they asking me to pray for them. They worship other gods. But they are asking me to pray, to ask my God to give them the job. Like, why? Uh? Why? Because there is a different spirit and they see that when I work, when I live. And every time I tell them, I'll pray for you. And you know what? God does wonders in their life. God does wonders in life. A seed is shown. Is sown. So God's people are called to be different. No, people will talk about us. They will talk about how we spend our money. Why do we give tithes and offerings? Why invest into Sabah and Sarawak? It doesn't make sense. You don't want to buy your Ferrari. Huh? You don't want to buy your Lamborghini. You know, why? No, they will talk about how we spend our time. You know, why every weekend uh, we come to church? Got nothing better to do. Uh. Huh? Got so many cafes out there, so many restaurants, so many nice places. You all come to church. They will talk about it. They will talk about how we treat our spouse or even our neighbours. We treat them with love and compassion. They will talk about our work ethics, like just now I mentioned, and how we manage even work conflicts. They will say that there's something different about these people. Something different. So we are called to radiate a different set of values because we are ruled by a different kingdom. No, but many people in our day reject the idea that the people of God need to be distinct from the world. In fact, they believe that in the, if the church is going to reach the world, then the church has to become like the world. No, but that is not what the Word of God says. You see, in a world that says survival of the fittest, God says, blessed are those that are meek for they shall inherit the earth. In a world where people are more focused on taking more for yourself, God says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In a world that says, an eye for an eye, revenge, a tooth for a tooth, God says, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. In a world where if someone were to sue you, you counter-sue them. 
But God says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. In a world where you do everything you can, you can to bring down a rival or an enemy, God says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, we are called to be a counter-culture Christian to the world today. Things they might not understand. And when they see things, it is so ridiculous out of the world. But that's how we shine. And then finally they see, wow, it actually works. So we are called to radiate in the world. This brings me to Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light up a stand, a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. We are to light up everything and where we are. We are to radiate God's glory. Now, I'd like to share a, a testimony of one of our brothers here in SIBKL. He and his wife were recently saved in one of our services like this, a couple of months ago. Now, I remember meeting this brother right after the service. You know, he was crying, crying, you know. He's not, not a believer. I told him straight, that's God moving. You need to come back again. You need to come back again, listen to the word of God. And I prayed for him. I blessed him. And you know what? Right after that, our, another member of ours went to him and shared the gospel straight away. And he accepted God. He accepted God. You know, he moved to KL. And that was the first weekend in KL. He came to SIBKL. He moved to KL because he was about to start a job. He was about to start a job. But when he accepted Christ, he decided, I won't take up that job anymore. You know why? This, this job that he was about to accept was a job for some high-profile people. And what he was meant to do was he was supposed to help Greece people. He was supposed to take X amount of money to give X amount of officials or X amount of people to get their way. And he was offered millions to do this. But because he has accepted Christ and now he is ruled by the word, he decided, I won't take that job anymore. I won't take that job anymore. So this guy came to KL, came to SIBKL, got saved, and decided to drop the job. But now he's jobless in KL. He's jobless, you know. You know, God honours those who honour him. A couple of weeks later, he was then offered a job by one of our church members here. Amen? Praise God. Let's give, him, let's give God a big hand. That's not the end of the story. Just last Monday, just last Monday, by chance, I bumped into him and some other SIBKL members and we were just hanging out. In that same very moment, he suddenly got a call, okay, from people from his previous life. He was asked to do a job, to give X amount of money to somebody to get somebody, I can't give the details now, okay, to, to, to get somebody out of trouble, out of prison. And we're not talking about a small amount of money. The amount went up to be like 300,000. Madness. And you know what? He said no. He said no. He said, I'm a Christian now. I believe in Jesus. And he says no. So I'm saying no. That's insane. In a world where people are taking out money and giving out to get their own way. He says, no, I won't do that anymore. And you know what's even crazier? Let's give God a big hand. See, what's even crazier is that his son knows of this lifestyle, this work that he used to do. And the son was one of the people that was trying to reach him to, to do this job. And he said no to his son. No. I'm not doing this anymore. You imagine what kind of light he is radiating in his household. Wow. Wow. It's crazy. So crazy. Now that brings me to point number three. Remember and retell of his works. 
Deuteronomy 4, 9 to 14. Can you help me in this? I'm going to drink water a bit. One, two, three. But watch out. Be careful. Be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Never forget the day where you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai, where He told me, summon the people before me, and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. Let's stop here. See, God reveals Himself to the Israelites at Mount Sinai, but He never saw a form. They never saw God, you know, but they did hear God's voice out of the fire. And they did see the works of God, the thunder, the lightning, the fire, the evidence that God was among the people. So Moses is practically saying over here, you know, I'm an old man now. I won't be following you into the promised land. So I want you to remember what you saw. Remember. Never forget it. Always have it in your memory. And I want you to retell it to the generations to come. Retell it to your children and your children's children. Exactly like what Moses is doing right now. When you remember the encounters you have with God or how God has brought you through certain seasons, certain difficult moments in your life, you know what you do? You know what you become? You become grateful and thankful. You remember and you are in this place again. God has worked so much. And as a result, what happens? Obedience. Because you remember, ma? You remember and you suddenly trust God and your faith level builds again. And then you obey the word of God. It is a result. The obedience is a result of remembering the love of God. And then you retell to your next generation. And what does this do? I mentioned before, it gives the younger generation the knowledge of what God did in the previous generation and it gives an expectation that God would do the same or greater in their generation. And do you know what that is? That is prophesying into the next generation. Revelations 19 verse 10 says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you remember and when you retell to the next generation, what you are essentially doing is you are prophesying into them. What you are saying is that God did this for me and He can do it for you. And not just that, He can do more. And a time will come when the next generation will experience God the same way you did. You know, so right here, I'm speaking to two generations right now, right? The first generation, the older generation, you have experienced God. You have seen God in your life. Now, you have an obligation to tell it to the next generation, to prophesy it into the next generation. That is your obligation. That was, that's what Pastor Chu and Pastor Li Chu is doing. They're prophesying to the next generation. And now, I'm also talking to the other generation, the younger generation. I represent that generation. We are to receive the words of prophecy. We are to receive it, not just hear about it, but create an expectation in our heart that God will do it again and He will do it even greater. Even greater. So, the Word of God is very simple today. Number one, be ruled by the, His Word. Number two, radiate in the world. Number three, remember and retell His work. Can we say this? Number one, ruled by His Word. Number two, radiate in the world. Number three, remember and retell His works. I'm coming to a close right now, and this closing, I'd like to share my own testimony to you. I've got two testimonies, okay? The first testimony is that, you know, I, was, I did my final year in Australia, and it was not easy for my family, it was not easy for my parents, because uh, we were an uh, average income family, and to send me to Australia for that final year, the one year, 
my parents had to work two jobs. Two jobs just to send me, you know. And because not enough, right, I would only receive 500 Aussie dollars a month as allowance. Out of that 500 Aussie dollars, 300 goes to rent. I got 200 Aussie dollars left for food and for transport. And if you to do the math, 200 dollars divided by four weeks is 50 dollars a week. How are you going to survive? You are wondering. You can, you can. What you need to do is you need to do grocery shopping. Don't go out so much. So that's what I did. I did grocery shopping. I would buy stuff and I would cook. I would only eat once out. And that's on a Sunday after church with my cell group. But as a student in a different country, you know, you want to hang out with your friends, you want to go out and eat that nice food, you want to go and see stuff. You know, so there was this time, this month, where I overspent. Okay? I only had $20 left in my wallet. My bank account was zero. And if you do the math, uh, by right in the middle of the month, there was middle of the month, I'm supposed to have $100 left, but I only got $20 left. And I was attending this Christian conference. And you know, Christian conference, you worship, you, you are like, oh my, it was so great. Presence of God was so awesome. You know, and after worship, what came after worship? Offering. Offering came after worship. Right? In my mind, is that I'm going to let the bucket pass. They use buckets over there, right? I'm not going to put anything inside. At that kind of state, maybe I might take something out. <laughs> but no, don't do that. Okay. But <laughs> I, I'm not going to put anything inside. No. In my mind, it's 20 Aussie dollars. I can buy some bread. I can buy milk. Then what my plan is, every day, I'll eat one or two slices and I'll drink the milk. I expand my, my tummy and I'm happy. I can sleep. That's one week. The second week, I got some Maggie Mee left. Okay, it can last maybe four days. And the last three days, holy love, fast and prayer. <laughs> fast and pray. Then I can tahan. But, you know what? After worship, and when it was time for offering, I felt God telling me, Aaron, give me that 20. I'm like, What? Get thee behind me, Satan. No, no. I can't give that 20. That's all I have. I have nothing else. How am I going to survive for the next two weeks? But then God kept repeating. He just repeat, give me that 20. Give me that 20. In the previous session of the conference, the, speak, the, the speaker was preaching about let go and let God. I'm like, oh my gosh, seriously? So that came in mind, let go and let go. <laughs> let go, serious. Uh. I begin to think about the woman in the Bible that gave two copper coins. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Honestly, that's how I felt. It's all I had to live on. I know I've still got parents, I still got everything, but I don't want to trouble them. They're working two jobs, you know. I, I don't want to borrow money. I, I just don't like it. No, but I, rem I also remember a testimony of how someone was saving up to go to Bible school. And God asked this person to give the entire savings away to another person, to a missionary. But God honoured this person. She was in Australia. She was saving up for a local Bible school. But she was in Australia under a scholarship. And God can do that. And I was, if I was thinking, I was, I was thinking, if God can do that for people, He can do that for me. See, in a world where, where, where the world says, if you do not have enough, you hoard, you save. But that's not what God says. God says, give and it shall be given unto you. So what I did was I took out my wallet. I took out the $20. Who knows when you take out your money and put your hand, it's very embarrassing to put back into the wallet. Right? Very pricey. Take out something, put back. And I put my hands up because I did not want to put the money into my pocket or my wallet. And what happened was the bucket came. I closed my eyes because I 
if I see, I won't do it. So I close my eyes and I just let it go. It went by. And then I was in tears. I was crying. Oh God, no money. But of course, God's presence was also strong. It was also strong. You know, I was, if the song Let It Go was back then, I would have sang the song Let It Go, Let It Go, you know. Can't hold it back anymore. I can't hold back my tears anymore. You see, I remembered the testimony that was said. I remembered the word of God and it built my faith. It spurred me. It spurred me to the point of action, of obedience. I took out that money. I put it on my hands so to make sure I would not turn back and I put it in. I put it in. Deuteronomy 4 verse 1 says, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations and I'm about to teach you. Obey them that you may live. And I can tell you, when I put that $20 in, I was alive. I was scared, yes. Yes, I was scared very much. But I was alive. For the very first time, I felt like I was walking on water. Not because I only had water to drink now, cannot drink anything, but I was really walking on water. I was walking by faith. And you know what happened right after that? Right after the session, honestly, I, I, I can't remember the Word of God anymore because all I can think about was that 20. Alright, so the Word of God just whew, disappeared. But as I walked out and I was waiting for my tram and I only had one tram ticket left to go back home, I got no tram ticket to come back the next day for the conference. Sunday, I got a call from my mom. My mom said, Aaron, your allowance for next month is ready. I can give it to you now. I will bang it to you soon. And I'm like, oh, I gave 20 Aussie dollars and now I got 500 Aussie dollars coming in. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this next month's allowance, right? So by mid next month, I will, I will face the same problem. But you know what? After I hang up the phone, another relative called, my aunt called me up and she said, Aaron, I want to bless you. I'm banking in 500 Aussie dollars right now into your account. I'm like, what in the world just happened? 20 Aussie dollars now has turned into 1,000 Aussie dollars. If you do the math, that's 50x, 50 times. It's overflowing now. It's not just enough, but it's overflowing now. It's crazy. I thought it was over. I was so happy. I was, I was, it was, it's crazy. This kind of testimony is crazy. I was so happy. I went, I went back. I prayed. I was so happy. I got to buy another tram ticket. I went to sleep. The very next day, I got another call. And this time, it's from an aunt that is in Australia. She said, Aaron, I know you've been looking for a part-time job. I, I need it because 200 Aussie dollars very hard to survive. I know you've been looking for a part-time job, so I made a call and now you have a job that gives you 16 Aussie dollars per hour and you can work a maximum of 20 hours per week. You know when you add up all together, how much is that? That's 1,280 Aussie dollars per month. Per month. Now, I have a recurring cash flow that comes. God's providence is shown. It's shown. It's crazy. It's so insane, right? Right. A second testimony. Now I was I, I I worked in Singapore for four years of my life, and in my fourth year, I felt God asking me to come back to Malaysia. I felt a very strong urge that if I don't come back to Malaysia, I will miss God's destiny for my life. So I made a few calls to some of my church leaders and they recommended me to a job, a listed company here in KL, an MNC here in KL. The company flew me into KL and then flew me back out. And on the same day, they offered me the job. But it was at a very precarious timing. It was bonus time. And I used to work in an investment bank in Singapore. Bank bonuses is insane. It's insane, right? But I felt God telling me, I want you to take up that offer and resign now. I tell God, hey God, only two more weeks, you know. Only two more weeks is the cutoff and then I can resign. God said, no, listen to me. Resign now. 
So I went up to my boss in Singapore and my boss said, Aaron, are you sure you want to do this? It's just two more weeks. Two more weeks. I told my boss, I have to do it. My God said do it and I will do it. So I did it. I did it. But because I remembered what happened in Australia, how God has come through, that has built my faith. I remembered. I remembered. It has built my faith now to be able to obey and listen to God again. And I did it. Then I called the the HR in Malaysia. I said, I'm accepting your offer, but just to let you know, I'm giving up my bank bonus in Singapore to join your early. The HR heard this, said, Aaron, give me one day. She just said that. Then she hung up. I'm like, what was that? You know? The very next day, she called back. Aaron, I told the management what you did. And now, the management wants to give you the golden handshake. Whatever the bank was about to pay you in Singapore, now the Malaysian company will give you that as a signing on bonus if you sign with us right now. I'm like, what? Obedience. Obedience to the word. Obedience to God. You know, God brought, brought this testimony to share this testimony just this morning because somebody here needs to hear this right now. You are finding it very difficult to obey the Word of God. You, there might be a certain uh, thing that you are asked to do, and then, but it's against the Word of God. You might find it very difficult. So God prompted me to share this testimony today to you so that you can be encouraged, so that your faith can be built up now that's a personal level. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a call on that later. Now on the church level, you know, right now we are going through a time of transition. Pastor Chu and Pastor Li Chu, you know, continue to pass on the knowledge, the experience of how God has brought them through, you know, and they're gonna continue doing it until 120 years old, right? Just like Moses. You know, we the younger generation, we need to pick it up. We need to receive it. We need to receive these prophecies right now and to continue to build the vision and mandate of the church. To build a strong, excellent, dynamic church that will influence the nation and impact generations. You know, God has been faithful in showing His hand over us, over SIBKL for the past 27, 28 years. Now God will continue to have His hand over us if we, one, be ruled by the Word, two, radiate in the world, and three, remember and retell His works. And now on a national level, you know, speaking as a representative of the younger generation, God has given the older generation a taste of what revival would look like in Malaysia through the revival in Bakalalan and Barrio. We've heard stories, testimonies, fire in the sky, bread appearing, people getting saved, hearts turned, a whole tribe on the brink of extinction being brought back and now are a blessed people. God wants to do that again and He wants to do that for Malaysia. You know, the older generation has to continue sharing and passing on everything that God has done. But it's now the time of the younger generation, our generation, to rise up, to take the mandate, to listen to the words of prophecy, to believe it and expect that God will do something great in our generation. Are you with me? Are you with me? All of you, you are in this generation. You are in this generation. So now let us rise. Let us rise to our feet. I want you to receive the words of prophecy that God is imparting. I want you to receive the words of prophecy that Pastor Chu, Pastor Lee Chu, and the older generation has been passing on all this long, all the while, all the while, all the while to be a revival generation. We need to be ruled by His Word. We need to radiate in the world and we need to remember and retell of His words. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your promises that are yes and amen. 
We thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our lives. You've shown us love, grace, and mercy. You've redeemed us, Lord. You redeemed us and saved us, Lord. You've shown your faithfulness in this church. And Lord, we want to say, we want to be obedient to your word. Out of this love, out of our love, out of the love that you poured into us, we want to love you back with our obedience. We want to love you back with our obedience. You know, church, I just want to give a call right now. If you are finding it difficult to obey the Word of God, it is because you have a heart issue, a love issue with God. I want to pray for you that God will reveal His love to you. So if that's you, all eyes closed. If that is you in this place, or even if that's you online, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you have an issue obeying the Word of God, I see some hands. All eyes closed. I see some hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For some people, it might be bribery, corruption. For some people, it might be lying. For some people, it might be pornography. I want you to raise your hands right now. Heavenly Father, you see these hands raised to you, Lord. Lord, you see their hearts bowing before you. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would reveal your love to them, that you reveal your heart to them, that they will come and see your love so great that you went on the cross and died for us, a love so great that you would die for us, Lord. Lord, let them be filled with your love, overflow their life with your love, Lord. And out of this love, Lord, that they can obey you in response, Lord. We thank you, Lord. As a second call, a second call is for those who are already obeying God. You are obeying God. You are trying to radiate in the world, to shine in the world, but you have not seen a breakthrough. You have not seen a breakthrough. You're working very hard. You're working tirelessly. But there is no breakthrough. There's no breakthrough in your business. There's no breakthrough in your relationship. There's no breakthrough in your career. If that is you, I want you to raise your hands right now. Lord Jesus, we ask, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you will come Lord, that you will break down the walls, the strongholds right now, Lord, of this situation, Lord. You will break down the Jerichos in this situation, Lord, that your power will overflow in this situation, in my brother's and sister's situation, Lord. Lord, we ask, Lord, for your love to just overcome them, Lord, that as they continue to obey, Lord, that you will show your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, that the testimonies that they've heard today, Lord, if God can do it for others, He can do it for me. Lord, that this expectation will rise right now within them, Lord, that they will take it to heart, that God will do something for me. God will do something for me. So, Lord, right now I ask that you bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. You bless them in the situation that they're in, Lord, and come true and give them a breakthrough right now. In Jesus' most my name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we come to the end of the sermon, of the message. So before we leave, let's just raise our hands to God. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you saved us us, you pursued us, you were always pursuing us, Lord. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you break down our hardened hearts, Lord. You break down the hearts that would 
challenge you, that will challenge your word, Lord, that we will submit to your word, Lord, in this place, that we will radiate in this world, Lord, and more than that, we will remember the things that you have done in the previous generation and you have done in our lives. And Lord, let the things that you have done, Lord, reignite such a fire, such a faith, such an expectation within us, Lord, that you would do it again, that you would do it again. So Lord, right now, I bless my brothers and sisters. I ask, Lord, that you do it again. You do it again in this generation. You do it again in this church. You do it again in their families, Lord. Bless them, Lord, and give them a breakthrough, Lord. We thank you, Lord, now. Now separate us now with your love. Protect us, Lord, and guide us, Lord, with your word. In Jesus' most mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.